Hello, hello, and welcome to Temple of the False Pod, where our decks are not optimized, but our plays sure as heck are fun. I'm Andy. I'm Bruce. And uh, today we have a new reoccurring episode segment thing where we do a thing we did last season, and we're doing it again, but different this time. Uh, last season we found some black enchantments. Uh, and we have since dubbed the episode Temple's Treasures. So welcome to Temple's Treasures, where we pick some cards that we think don't get as much use as they could and should and tell you about them. Um, That's right. 15 episodes into the show, we're already rehashing content. Heck yeah. yes! So, uh, the rules with this segment... We find cards that are in less than 1,000 to 2,000 decks on EDH Rec. Yes. Uh, there's a bit of flexibility there. That's fine. Uh, that were printed mainly before 8th edition. Um, we haven't come across any that have been printed since. Um, but who knows? Uh, well, <laughs> I have one for this week. Oh. Uh, that was originally printed pre-8th edition. It has since been reprinted. Okay. But it still comes under our 1,000 decks on EDH rec uh, requirement. Nice. I like so, it. So I'm skirting the edge here. Skirting yeah. the edge of legality for our made-up uh, requirements. Yeah. Like I said, last season we found uh, some black enchantments. So we're taking a trip around the color pie, albeit randomly. This season on Temple's Treasures, I'm going to do some red enchantments. Going into this, I thought it was going to be just as easy. Uh, as it yes. was for black enchantments. Uh-huh. But it turns out, red's got a lot of crappy enchantments. I find that the, the red enchantments that you would look at and say, ooh, this is a good one? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are in a lot of decks. Mm. Um, so you tend to find uh, cards that give you extra points of damage, uh, enchantments that double your damage, and all this sort of thing. They're great, and they show up in a lot of decks. So yeah. it takes a little bit more of a struggle to Yeah, there to are a lot less hidden the, treasures. Yeah, a lot less hidden treasures. Um, however, in spite of that, we do have some, some solid nuggets of gold here. Um, the key to remember with, with Temple's Treasures is a lot of times the enchantments that we're finding are enchantments that, are re- that go really well in some decks. Yes. So, so these, are not, these are not your soul rings that belong in virtually every deck. These are not your your red cards that, you know, oh, why wouldn't I ever put this in every single red deck? These are not those cards. These <laughs> cards are the cards that should go in every single deck that does X. Yeah, that's it also. Like, a lot of these cards, most of them, in fact, are going to have better counterparts, which is why these are not as used. But some right. of those counterparts... Uh, or some of these these better alternatives uh, are sometimes expensive. But it was really interesting to dive in, especially in red. Most of my decks are either red or black or some combination of both. Yeah. So it was a, it was a fun little experiment. And finally, uh, Andy and I have uh, not seen each other's lists. So we're each oh, yes. going to provide four cards. We haven't seen each other's lists. So we may have some overlap. We may not. We'll uh, we'll find yeah. out together. I think that that is the perfect, succinct point about all of this, is that 
we can look at you know how many of our cards were made before eighth edition uh and come out with four separate cards uh without yeah. any overlap um so let's see that magic work bruce i'm gonna call on you to bring up your first card all right first card on the list i'm going with seal of fire uh, it's an enchantment it costs one red mana it says sacrifice seal of fire seal of fire deals two damage to any target it says target oh, nice. creature or player but it's any target now the reason this card doesn't show up in most decks is because it's two damage i mean who cares if a lightning bolt can't make it into most red decks why would you want a card that not only doesn't do as much damage as a lightning bolt but it's sitting there on the battlefield people are going to see it coming that's exactly why you play this card because they can see it coming you're not playing seal of fire so that you can play it immediately sack it and do two damage to the dome <laughs> at least not unless they're at two life and you want to finish them you're playing this card because you want it to sit on the battlefield you want it up front because you want everybody to know that when your combat phase comes around or if they are thinking about attacking you they have to calculate that two points of damage into every possible attack and block scenario that all by itself never using it always leaves the threat that it could get used so andy if you have three five five hmm. creatures yes and i have three 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 creatures without the seal of fire you look on the table ignoring all the rest of it and i realize that's a big that's a big ask basically put if you have three five fives and i have three three threes you should be able to tap all of them and send them in with virtually no fear Ob yeah. obviously i can double block and kill one of them and you'll only kill one of my three threes but it means you've got two other ones that are coming in so i'm going to either chump with the remainder or take 10 or yeah simply put you have the larger numbers add the seal of fire into the mix suddenly any one of my three threes by itself can take out any one of your creatures so one three three taking out one of your five fives i double block with the other two take out another five five and then the third one gets through on without damage well you lost two five five creatures out of your three to do five damage to me and in mm. the end i only lost two of my three threes so when you look at the math you say okay well that's the math what about the next guy well the next guy you're not worrying about me doing the two damage because mm -hmm. you're thinking to yourself he's going to save that and protect his own butt with it you know <laughs> he's going to add that in to finish off creatures and if i've got first strike creatures well add two damage to that because that really messes up the combat math that's why this card is so good the other thing to keep in mind with seal of fire is that it is an enchantment so it costs only one red you can put it into the graveyard at will it's yeah you're sacrificing it when you want to so if you're running it in an enchantment deck you essentially have you know as long as you can get it back out of your graveyard you've got a loop going with just this one card because it sacks itself to do two points of damage and that's for one red so make it work uh you can you can certainly do that as well um it's a it's a term that's really been sort of forgotten the, the whole rattlesnake idea the idea yeah. is the card sits there and it acts as a rattlesnake it's 
you're warning everybody right up front and it's sitting right there and that's something a lightning bolt can't do <laughs> and like the other thing with this too is that the damage ability itself uh is uh an activated ability so if it gets down it's all intents and purposes like used like it will generally it, it's it's harder to counter uh, compared to a lightning bolt. Well, exactly. Lightning bolt, counter it when it comes out, if you want. I mean, right. that's the other thing is, is somebody going to waste their... Their Crosin uh, grip on this? Right. Not a chance. Uh, no is, one's throwing yeah. away a Crosin grip on this thing, because, what, they're stopping two damage? <laughs> Come on. Um, no, I, I like this card, um, and I realize that we are talking about a very niche area. These cards are only good in niche areas. I mean, if your deck is primarily instants and sorceries, then yeah, this just isn't going to really cut it. But in the right decks, this is a great card. Something else to consider, this card was initially created pre-Planeswalkers. Now you've got a card sitting on the battlefield that says any Planeswalker with a loyalty of two or less can die instantly. Mm. That's... That's a, that's a completely different scenario when you're talking about Planeswalkers that come in at three loyalty or four loyalty and are looking at a minus two to be really effective. In other words, it's a one-use Planeswalker now. So are you willing to pay that much to be able to use that minus ability one time knowing that the guy who's holding Seal of Fire is going to thump your Planeswalker for value? They're just going <laughs> to, unless it does absolutely nothing to them, they're going to take it out. So, um, so with that card, uh, Seal of Fire uh, comes in at 166 decks, according to EDH Rec. Uh, <clears throat> and we move on to my first card, yes. uh, which is uh, Raka Sanctuary. 16 decks, <laughs> one six. <laughs> uh, it's it, you'll you'll soon see why. Uh, Tuna Red. At the beginning of your upkeep. If you, if you control a white or blue permanent, Raka Sanctuary deals one damage to target creature. If you control a white permanent and a blue permanent, Raka Sanctuary deals three damage to that creature instead. So, obviously, not going to use it in a mono-red deck. But, you can. Uh, don't know why you would, but it the, the option's there. Uh, you only have value... <laughs> <laughs> from this uh if you are running blue or white or stealing from blue or white i guess what i'm trying to say uh is the value i find in this is that you don't have to have both uh it doesn't have the uh color identity of blue or white so you can run this in a an is it deck you can run this in a boros deck uh you can run this in whatever deck has red in it. Uh, and you're, at the beginning of each turn, you're getting one damage off to any target creature. Unless you have all three, if you have blue and white, then you're getting off three damage to that creature instead. Uh, the great thing is that you can target a different creature each time it does it. Um, and with red having so many you know, multiplier spells like Furnace of Wrath and such, it 
adds up and it's just free damage uh, at the beginning of a turn too. Uh, your turn, but um, it might discourage someone from blocking something that you have or it might, I mean plainly it might kill things a lot of the time unfortunately it's just target creatures so if there's no creatures on the board it's kind of useless um, if you are if you're the sole proprietor of any creatures on the board well your creatures are going to get hurt but uh, hopefully you're okay with that <laughs> simply put um, obviously I, I like this best in, in, in a Jeskai deck obviously yes. um, obviously but you're looking when you're looking at the three damage you can look at it from your attack you know it's like who am I attacking what is their defenses where best to put this three damage because some I mean the the instinct is immediately go to something that you can kill for three you know whether you know whatever creature is out there that you can kill you go for that one and I get that I I, I certainly appreciate that but you know in the scenario that I used when I was talking when I was talking about Seal of Fire, if you if I have three five five creatures and you have three 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 creatures, I mean, you just use it on one of my five fives. Now they've already got three points of damage on it. Suddenly, a single three three creature can take it out. The mm. odds are I'm not going to block with it because I'm not going to risk losing it. So now you can now look at the situation and say, okay, he only has two five fives. How does that factor in when I attack? You can set things up along that route. Um, it's also a way to inflict damage on your opponent's creatures for cards that require that require there to be damage on other on other creatures. Mm. Um, I'll be fair. A lot of those cards do say combat damage, and this is not combat damage. This is just <laughs> damage, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll I mean, take three. I'll take three damage on my upkeep, and it's not as though this is a card that's going to get targeted with removal, right? And the other thing too is like, this is great for something like Boros Reckoner, where when it takes damage, you redirect that damage elsewhere. Um, so like, if you have multipliers, it'll multiply to the Reckoner and then multiply outward, yeah. um, or uh, something as niche as if you're playing an enrage deck uh, with those dinosaurs, uh, where it's if it takes damage, X happens. So like, I mean, any of them. So we've got the Ripjaw Raptor, where it's whenever Ripjaw Raptors dealt damage, draw a card. Um, you know, you just target that. Uh, it doesn't kill it, and then you just draw another card. Um, so like, there there are options on targeting your own things. For your own benefit. Uh, there's Polyraptor. When Polyraptor's dealt damage, create a token that's a copy of Polyraptor. Uh, so there there are very niche niche uses for this card. Um, and I'm just surprised it doesn't get... See, it doesn't see more play in those niches. Um, Andy, what was the name of the uh, the card you mentioned just earlier? It was the, the Boros card that redirects the Boros damage. Reckoner. Right. So, Andy, with Boros Reckoner in mind, mm -hmm. let me introduce you to a series of cards from way back when called Encore Creatures. E-N, and then the second word is K-O-R. Oh. Um, if you take a look at these ones, uh, 
these encore creatures were from i think they were mostly from from the from tempest but either way um their 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 ability is for zero you can redirect one damage from lancer's encore to a creature you control you were talking about damage doubling effects mm -hmm. well with any encore creature and the boros reckoner and any of the damage doublers you were talking about um you can then bounce the damage back and forth so you take hmm. your uh you take the the Raka sanctuary um it deals say two damage because you have the boros or sorry it deals three damage because you have the boros reckoner out no one damage because you have the reckoner out because it counts as a white creature right right so you do one damage to to the reckoner but the rec whenever the reckoner's dealt damage it deals that much damage to target creature or player okay <clears throat> now you've already got the doubler so it deals double that much so you send it over to the as you send it over to one of your uh, one of your encore creatures mm -hmm. they don't take the damage they just redirect the damage so hmm. you get your encore creatures and you bounce the damage back and forth between them Mm -hmm. from the rack of sanctuary until you reach the number that's what you're looking for, enough to do damage to the creature that you want to kill right and then send it oh. back to the reckoner yeah who then bounces it onto the opponent's creature now yes your reckoner dies i mean if you're going to go to all this trouble maybe you're running indestructibility as well on your creature i mean the great i mean the great thing with the reckoner too is that it redirects it to a player as well right so Bounce, bounce, bounce with a with a damage doubler out there. Mm -hmm. uh, two encore creatures. Uh, you can bounce forever, so you can yep. bounce until you've got the the eighty <laughs> life, the hundred life that you, or the hundred damage that you need to kill an, a life gaining opponent. Dump it to the reckoner, who then bounces it over to the opponent's head, and they're dead. Marvelous. Now, sure, Raka Sanctuary is a small part of this. A small part of the set but this is the sort of card that allows you to get things started that that creates that that, that sets off you know you want you want your rube goldberg machine to work rack of sanctuary is the card that starts everything into motion um yeah yeah fun and card. honestly like until until you get to that last step it's just creating value because uh you know it's it's three mana right. for an enchantment, which is, eh. but for every turn that you take that you are dealing a damage, presumably you're directing it where you want it to be, and that's progressing the board states in some way. Um, but yeah, so that's my first card. Right. Um, my next card is kind of cheating. Um, oh, Bruce. It well. It's not cheating, but it's maybe not the kind of card that I want to play. <laughs> However... We had a few of those in the black ones, so I, it's okay. I know that this is a card that many others would like to play. Um, so I'm just going to throw it out there. Uh, it's an enchantment, obviously. Uh, the this card is called Scald. Uh, so for one and a red, whenever a player taps an island for mana... 
Scald deals one damage to that player. <laughs> now, these are the kind of cards that just don't get printed anymore. Uh, Wizards I wonder does, why. Wizards does not like to print cards that targets players of just one that are playing a specific color. Um, there's a handful of reasons for this because these cards tend to be really good against players playing that color and just completely dead against the ones who aren't. So... Yeah, I mean, in a 60 casual, you have four of these. The blue player is just... <laughs> the blue player is hosed. However, if there's no blue player, you've got four dead cards. Because they're That's just true. dead. This thing does nothing unless somebody has an island. And just remember, uh, a lot of times when we're talking commander, the blue player isn't the blue player. The blue player is the Demir player or the Jeskai player or whoever so if you've got a dual land well maybe it isn't an island in which case you don't take the damage for get and get blue mana the reason that this that these cards don't tend to show up in a lot of decks now is people tend to look at these cards and say yeah but it's only good if somebody's playing blue I'm like all right okay one we're playing <laughs> multiplayer there are three opponents and we're playing commander Virtually everybody is playing at least two colors. <laughs> a lot of times they're playing three. The odds that somebody out there is playing blue is pretty good. We all know that blue is, at least, at the very least, blue is one of the two best colors in Command. Right. So uh, there, even, even there, we're looking at the odds improving. So... I don't believe that this card is ever a dead card. Well, it, obviously there are times when it is, but realistically, this card is rarely ever a dead card. Yeah. Um, if you draw it very late in the game, then it's a dead card. Because realistically, unless somebody has stacked up 10 islands or they've made sure that all of their dual lands... Are, are searchable so they're all named island so they all have island as a land type uh, you're just not going to do enough and on top of that it is only one damage per mana tapped uh, so the blue player can wait and take the damage and to play their spell the key here for me is one either the blue player can get rid of this card immediately or they can't those are the two options, because nobody's going to help you. Why, why would why would somebody who's being has zero effect from this card get rid of it for you? Now, so that means that okay, one they can get rid of it. Okay, so you say to yourself, well, I'm going to spend two mana, and they're just going to counter it. Like yes, because they're burning a counter spell on a two mana enchantment that is essentially a throwaway card. That's a wonderful thing. Just remember, they're losing that counter spell. That one is yeah. Done. It's the use of resources, regardless if it exactly, and it's costing it, you only one and one red mana to make that happen. So that by itself is valuable because this is a card that the blue mage is going to counter. I mean, especially you know as you get earlier into the game when they're forced to tap out, meaning they have to tap those islands, their spells start to hurt. You know, when, when you're taking three points of damage just to play a spell, it hurts. <laughs> so, 
it, so they'll, they'll either counter it or they won't. And if they don't, one, one damage per island every time they tap it, I mean, the numbers, the numbers can become significant. Now, mm -hmm. realistically, the numbers are never going to become significant because odds are there's two blue players. They're both going to want it gone. One of them is going to get rid of it as fast as possible. And they're not just going to bounce it back to your hand. They're going to get rid of this card. You will, you will not get repeated opportunities to play this. But it does make them... It makes them get rid of this card. This is not an option card. Like, well, maybe I'll just let it slide. No, no. It's got to go. And forcing a blue player's hand, forcing them to immediately react to this spell is exactly what they don't want to do. I yeah. love the benefit of that. Um, <laughs> so play it to your meta. If your meta suggests that you shouldn't do this, then fine. Um, but I would I would suggest that uh, there are plenty of blue decks floating around. This card is not going to be a dead card in your hand very often. So Scald. Yep. One in a red. EDH Rec has it at 69 decks. Nice. Uh, there we go. Up next, I have... Ooh, this one. This one I couldn't make heads or tails of. And I almost thought I should put it first, but I thought it was a little better than Rock of Sanctuary. Uh, it's two in a red. It's called Rivalry. Shows up in 125 decks. Uh, it says, during each player's upkeep, if that player controls more lands than any other, rivalry deals two damage to them. Uh, <clears throat> so what this means to me is that it's going to do two damage to at least one player every round the table. At least. Because... There's going to be one person who has more land than the other. Granted, um, if that's you, it's going to deal you two damage. But if it's not you, <laughs> uh, if it's the green player, it's going to do them two damage directly to their face at the beginning of each of their turns. So it's either going to have them slow down on playing lands until everybody catches up, in which then it does damage to somebody else. Now, just... Jumping in real quick. Yeah. If two players have the same amount of land, then this doesn't do damage to e to either one of them. Well, so, I didn't think of that. Well, no, no. <laughs> but essentially, the idea behind rivalry is, honestly, this card is as miserable to one color as Scald is. This thing targets green <laughs> green yeah. decks don't 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 even suggest that it's doing anything else we all know that when a green deck gets played in the first five turns they're going to find ways to ramp they're going to have way more lands than anybody else the only benefit for the green player when it comes to rivalry is it's likely there's more than one green player but even then once the numbers start getting a little higher it gets a lot harder to match up your land count just to avoid two damage. Players yeah. just aren't going to do that. They're not going to restrict, you know, it's like, oh, I could play another land. Oh, I'm going to do it because they'll take the two damage because they're just like, hey, an extra land. 
if I have to take two damage this time, I will. Um, I what I I mean what I like about this is that it slows down the green player, um, and on top of it, obviously you get that damage every round, if applicable. Um, but well, what I like fine. what I like about it is mm-hmm. it targets the green player, and it's one of those. Remember when you were much younger and your sibling would no. reach around behind you and just flick the back of oh, your head? Yeah. Flick the back of your head. You know that? Bang. <laughs> annoying, but rarely ever annoying enough that you get up and pound on them. Because it's just like, Ugh, stop it! <laughs> That's rivalry. Yeah. Two points of damage? Eh, two points of damage. Whatever. And it's not like you did it. It's like, look, I, I'm, you know, I knew that I wasn't going to be the one who had the most land, so I thought I would take a shot. Yeah, stop hitting yourself. Right. This is this is your fault. You can stop it any time you want. <laughs> now, the question then becomes: How long is that green player going to put up with this? We're, we're repeating the same questions that we talked about for Skull, because the green player has plenty of access to enchantment removal. They can... And we already know they've got mana. So they can get rid of this anytime they want. And it'll be much less of a pain for them to. Right. It just... Than it would be for... Sure. Sculpt. I can tell you, as somebody who has played green decks in their life, (laughs) I I don't know that I want to burn my naturalize my uh you know any one of Disney, the yeah. any one of the i don't know 10 ways that i've put in my deck to deal with enchantments do i really want to burn one of those on a rivalry <laughs> you know the games in in we have heard that games run approximately 10 turns if you don't play rivalry if you play rivalry right on the curve on turn three, bang, you drop it, and it's good for until turn 10. Well, it means every other player is going to face this rivalry seven times. At most, if one player gets dinged every single time, they're looking at 14 damage. Now, that's significant enough that if they have a way to get rid of it, they will. However, man, it is so hard to throw away a piece of enchantment removal on a card like Rivalry when you could be saving it for uh, any one of hundreds of other options. There are so many other enchantments that are just so much better to get rid of. Aren't you better off taking two points of damage every turn than letting the guy with Phyrexian Arena draw the extra card? <laughs> what what about the what about the doubling season that that the other guy has? What about uh, what about the red player who's got a way to double damage? You can go through a laundry list, and you can all of you at home can think of all of the games you've ever played, and think of enchantments that you would rather see dead than this one. It yeah. doesn't. I think I think for me, uh, kind of my like closing remarks on this uh, card is that I really like the design space of it. It's yeah. There's so much of just like everything that's going on is all right. I'm gonna wait to attack. I'm gonna keep up my blockers. I'm gonna, you know, go for the value plays. So it does 
that by having other people slow down their mana production, but it also keeps the game going by creating a long clock, but a, still a clock. Uh, you know, it, it keeps the board state from getting too stale, but it also addresses when people stop attacking each other. Somebody's still losing life. Uh, right. And I like it. Right. One other thing. Yeah. When I mentioned the, the idea that it would do 14 damage if you played it directly on curve, <laughs> that's cute. 14 damage. That's not going to happen, but it's there. Yeah. Think about it when you play it in the late game. When that green player is down under 10 life, suddenly mm-hmm. this thing becomes something they have to deal with. Yeah. Because they Huge know, percentage marks. They know they're the ones who are getting dinged every single upkeep. And sure. Maybe it's only going to be two more upkeeps. Maybe it's only going to be four more damage. But four more damage on top of the tiny life total they're already at, suddenly they're within range of just about any creature smacking them over the head and finishing them. It's, it is it is a good card. I mean, you're not, you know, you would not, uh, you would be well served to keep it in mind. Yeah. So. All right. Number three in not any particular order. <laughs> what do you got, Bruce? This was one that I didn't have to go back into the Wayback Machine to find. Uh, because <laughs> actually, uh, my friend Andrew is playing this in, our, in a new deck that he's working on. This was recommended to him by Brian David Marshall. Uh, I looked at this card and thought to myself, I've never even heard of this card. How have I never heard of this card? This is ridiculous. The card is Invasion Plans. Invasion Plans is two and a red mana, so it only costs three. And it says, each creature blocks whenever able. Huh. Attacking player chooses how each creature blocks. So, if I swing in with, I don't know, eight saprolings, mm-hmm. all of your creatures will now block one of those saprolings because they must all block. Yeah. And my remaining seven saprolings, irrelevant of how big they are, are going to get through and do that much damage. You can do this. So Invasion Plans obviously works well in a, in a, big to- in a tokens deck because it's going to let you swing in a ton. A ton. It's also... Um, it also allows for um, all sorts of other uh, other shenanigans as far as how the blocking is set up, how things work. Now, the reason this card doesn't get played a ton is uh, because, like a lot of the old cards, it doesn't. You don't get all the benefit. Everybody gets the benefit. So now your opponents can choose to swing back at you, and now they're the attacking player. And they choose how you block. It can get very messy. Um, it's it's much like a lot of the damage doublers. You know, you you hope that you are playing with the awareness that the damage doublers are out there. In this case, you are playing with the awareness that essentially the creatures are now unblockable. <laughs> um, obviously, this doesn't play well, uh, or this is wonderful when your opponent is running a Voltron deck. Because 
all of your creatures have to block. They block that one creature. So, but you're keeping this in mind. So, all creatures have to block? Hmm, I think I might start playing some Death Touch. And this works really well when you're trying to hit multiple opponents at once. Because um, you can spread your, spread your creatures out. You pick one to block and go from there. Um, this is also delightful when uh, your opponents have utility creatures. And you just mm. want those dead. So it's like, okay, that one is blocking my big guy. The rest of them are blocking this one one. And the remaining creatures all get through. Or maybe none of your creatures get through. Maybe that's not you're not looking to ramp up the damage with combat. You're just you just want to get rid of some of their uh, some of the uh, of the utility creatures that are on the board. This is an easy way to do that. Uh, I really I love invasion plans. This is a brand new card for me. Uh, it, it, the the, ver the dollar value on it is is very low, and um, this is also one of those cards that just says okay. This game is ending. We're going to end this fast because everybody gets this benefit. So combat, uh, it stops being about how many you can block and how many he can block. And it starts being all about, okay, we're thundering over. We're sending the works. And we're just yeah. going to start plowing into each other because yeah, I think, you know, if you don't take advantage of it. Yeah, I think this, this deck works really well in those decks. Or sorry, this card works really well in those decks where you want to attack but like you said they're going to come back at you but i guess a way to get around that detriment just just don't give those creatures vigilance um well exactly yes if you know you know if you know this is the case then give your creatures vigilance i mean vigilance has always been a strong ability oh i mean like command. don't give them vigilance so that oh so they don't have to block they're they they can't block yeah, yeah. right um, well Again, if you're putting this in your deck, you are running on the under the assumption that you can just do way more damage than your <laughs> opponents can, yeah. and you're prepared to take damage to make that happen. You know, so if I'm swinging in with my creatures and I think I can do about twenty damage, but I don't think you can manage to do twenty back. That's why you're doing it. Yeah. Now I wouldn't want three opponents ganging up on me, but, um, you know. It, it, Play it, yeah. play it at the right time, in the right way. Right. You're, you're choosing you when are, to right. play it. Exactly. You are the one choosing this. Optimize it and go. Um, yeah. So with three cards under your belt, two under mine, we're going to quickly uh, jump to a break. Uh, we're going to uh, throw it over to our sponsors for a quick ad. Be right back. episode of Temple of the False Spot is brought to you by Braid of Fire, Hair Salon, and Grill. Come on, get your hair did, and your grub on. The longer you stay, the better it is. When you're here, you're... <clears throat> Braid of Fire, Hair Salon, and Grill. And now back to you. Alright. Welcome back bruce hey, hey wbb welcome back bruce uh <laughs> yep uh let's roll right into my third yes. card coming in at uh oh uh invasion plans for those keeping track 353 decks 
<clears throat> my third card, coming in at one red mana, it's called Mark of Fury. Um, it's in 204, de 204 decks, according to EDH Rec. Uh, it says, Enchanted Creature gains haste at the end of turn. Return Mark of Fury to its owner's hand. So, it quite literally replaces itself, as long as it resolves. Um, and as long as the creature doesn't die. And it gives whatever creature haste. Um, it's pretty sweet. Uh, I don't know much more to say about it. It's repeatable, which is great. Um... Once you play it one time, people will expect it. But uh, as long as your creature doesn't die by the end of turn, you're not going to have any issues. I guess I guess the biggest downside, at least that I can see, is if you weren't planning on activating its ability on your turn, um, it's not going to have haste on everyone else's turn. So if you were planning on using it on your turn great uh red has some pretty great creatures uh some pretty big creatures that get in for a lot of damage um so if you have any reason to give anything haste uh mark of fury should be a pretty easy include um especially at one red mana and it being repeatable to me the key with this one is uh, mm -hmm. first off the limitation only one, if you're playing two creatures out in a turn, only one of them's getting haste. Right. Fine. Um, realistically, you're playing this. Uh, if you're running this, you're not running this because you want because you've got five goblins you're going to play out this turn, and you want one of them to have haste. Uh, <laughs> you're not doing that. Uh, if if that's what you're looking for, then you will find other cards to give all of your creatures haste that cost a lot more than just one red mana. You're playing this because you've got dragons, because you've got a large creature that you're dropping on the battlefield, and you know what? One more red mana to let it swing one turn earlier and come in and hit that much harder with surprise, it's going to happen. Yeah. The, the joy here is you play your dragon. Big old 5-5 five, five, does something nasty when it comes into play. Okay. Did it resolve? Because, one, either it didn't resolve because, you know, the blue <laughs> player said no. Or someone has looked at this and, you know, or, or somebody else looked at it and said, no, we can't have that happening. Fine. Then you, then you follow it up with a Mark of Fury. Because if the creature is still there, then somebody who could have got rid of it would have got rid of it. Yeah. You know, if, if, they were, if they were going to target it as it came into play... They would have done so. So when you play Mark of Fury, no one's going to counter it. Because they would have countered the spell in the first place. <laughs> and if they didn't, and now they're countering the Mark of Fury, well, okay, so they're saving themselves from an attack that turn, but not the attack the next turn. So that doesn't make <laughs> a lot of sense. What happens with the Mark of Fury when you play it is then you've got an opponent who's holding removal and is thinking to themselves, okay, now I'm going to get a two for one because they're also going to stop you from ever getting haste again because they're going to kill that creature before the end of the turn. 
that's sort of that's where the downside sits on this card right but practically speaking most of the time when you're using this card as an enchantment you're looking at the rest of the board you're picking who your opponent is and then you're looking at the rest of the board saying yeah okay johnny you're gonna pay the price <laughs> and then you play it because you don't want anybody else taking out your creature it's like oh yeah i'm gonna get two for one like yeah great but i was about to hit this guy you know let me at least get that done this isn't to say they're not still going to take out the creature after that turn but um that's you know that's the benefit for this one is that it forces players it forces you and your opponents to play a little more strategically to understand exactly when is the right time to go after this stuff when isn't it and honestly I'm not even sure that I would use Mask of Fury every single turn. There are times when I'm not going to play Mark. it. Or Mark of Fury. I'm not even sure that there are times when I'm going to use this for each creature that comes down. Yeah. Um, there are plenty of times when I'm going to be like, no, you know what? I'm going to play this creature right now. I don't have a red mana to spare. But I'm okay with it just sitting there for a turn because I need a blocker. Because I want my opponents to just deal with this. Because I got something yeah. coming up the next turn, and if he's still out there, this is going to be good. Or I can draw attention away from him by playing, by playing uh, this card before before they go out. I like that. I like the the flexibility that it offers, um, and you know, it forces it it puts uh, puts another level of of strategy onto the onto the board state. Don't forget, haste isn't just you get to swing with your creatures. Haste is you get to tap your creatures for their ability right away. Um, this is wonderful when you're when you're pairing it with a commander um, who you know comes out. You put the you put the card on you put this card on it and you can activate it right away because you know, especially with a lot of the newer commanders, these cards are designed with the expectation that they're not going to get tapped until they've been in play for a full turn rotation. So. Yeah, this is like a great like I'm. Like, this would be a great include in my Hidetsugu deck. I know Hidetsugu's not exactly new, but, uh, I mean, <laughs> I think as many haste enablers in my in that deck. Uh, sure. Especially for one mana. I think, like, granted with that deck, you need as many haste enablers because people are going to try to stop them. But in most instances, how many people are going to try to stop a one mana haste enabler with a counter or even i mean i i guess with removal but definitely not enchantment removal right like uh straight up creature removal um but i don't know uh for one mana it's kind of kind of worth it yeah um so we said four right we said four onto your final card the last this. one the, the last, last one the last one of my bunch uh, this is one I picked immediately. As soon as we said red enchantments, I said, ooh, this is going to make it. And I put it on my list, and I went through, and not only was it make it, it is number one on my list. There is no doubt. Um, not only that... Bruce, you're making me nervous that it's going to be mine, too. Not only that, this card really works when you start looking at the decks in Kaldheim. 
when you start seeing the commanders that are going to be coming out of this and the kind of decks that 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 the set is encouraging uh <laughs> not to not to date this episode but not to date this episode i have it is a four mana enchantment it costs two and a red and a red and it was originally printed in homelands yes that's right i found a card in homelands what? That I think it is, is definitely not the same card I have for number one. It is <laughs> Anzarin Ruins. That's A N oh. Zarin, Z E R R I N Ruins. Uh, the art is uh, it, the art alone is reason enough to look this card up. It's by Dennis Detwiller. Um, essentially, a bunch of strange boxes with lots of faces on them. It's very bizarre. Mm. I'm not really even sure how that ties in. Okay, what does it do? As Anzaran Ruins enters the battlefield, choose a creature type. Creatures of the chosen type don't untap during their controller's untap step. So, okay. For call time? Lots of changelings, Bruce. Lots of changelings. In other words, pick any creature type and they all, all these creatures stay tapped until they get rid of this enchantment. Is Bruce a creature type? Bruce is not a creature type. Not yet. <laughs> um, however, you now get to pick um, any opponent. So, look at look at the opponents that you're playing in this game and say to yourself, what, what creature type do I want tapped? Are you sick and tired of the wizards constantly tapping and doing all kinds of crap? This shuts it down. Does the does the volume of humans in your deck in the in the decks that you're playing against drive you crazy? Locked it down. This card, the reason this card doesn't get played as much is because everybody seems to think, oh, all it's you know we're playing commander, and my group doesn't play very many theme decks, and <laughs> even when we play theme decks, there's sapperlings or. Or there's some wimp, or there's some wimpy, uh, wimpy creature type that just doesn't cut it. Okay, this this card works in shutdown mode against somebody playing a theme deck. How does it's it? Very rude. It is very <laughs> rude. But how does it work when you're playing against opponents who, where none of them are playing a theme deck? Okay, well, pick the best creature on the board. It now never never untaps. Now, this is four mana for that ability, so that's kind of pricey, but it's in red. It is soft removal. Once they're tapped, they're tapped. So you can't tap it to crew. You can't tap it to use its, ma to use its tap ability. You can't, any, you can't attack with it. You can't block can't with block. it once it's tapped. Uh, just keep all that. You need that, to, like, yeah. Keep all that You need mind. to either have a way to untap it, or it is essentially useless because it's not even like it's not even in the graveyard to get it back out right i mean at at worst we're talking about a pacifism effect right at best it's a pacifism effect for multiple creatures remember we're not naming a creature we're naming a creature type this is a great card and don't kid yourself i run this i run this in a lot of decks not just every once in a while and honestly 
if you're pairing it with blue, if you're pairing it with a way to flicker it, great. Well, now you don't even now you definitely don't need to worry about the the guy playing the theme deck because you can play it and then just play it to block down one creature and when that creature is no longer an issue, you can flicker it and have it come back down and stuff a different creature. So, yeah. like I said, at at worst, it's stopping the best creature on the battlefield from doing anything. So, you can pick on one player limit their 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 big their big ugly creature and move on from there this is part of the reason i love this card so much and it comes out of nowhere nobody sees this coming nobody why would they exactly <laughs> and i'm saying with call time coming in we are going to see more theme decks you are going to see more of these uh theme decks with creature types that have very few creatures of that type because we're seeing all of these changelings we're we're going to see a you know a significant uptick in the number of in the number of theme decks we're yeah like tribal <clears throat> stuff exactly all kinds of tribal stuff is going to come in and this is one of the ways to shut it down yeah so. i think i think even as far back as commander legends you know so far ancient history uh it there there were i mean a number of tribals or tribes that were kind of starting to become more yeah i mean obviously elves um also coming back in kaldheim um already a good tribe just getting better right. pirates um etc spirits mm-hmm. um and so like i mean i'm always one for making tribal decks because they're kind of easy to put together uh-huh. And they're easy to suss out some like some good uh, like flavor, some good like right, uh, yeah, to make it more thematically encompassing. Um, which brings me to my last card, Final which card. actually goes well well with your card, All right. more or less. Um, my card. Oh, so for those keeping track. And Zarin Runes, 56 decks. 56 decks. That 56 is a decks. crime, people. A crime. This card belongs in far more than 56 decks. It should be in at least 156 decks. At least that <laughs> many. At least. Um, my card yeah. comes in at 76 decks. Oof. Again, it's another one red mana enchantment. Oh boy. A single red mana. Uh, named... Uh, onslaught from Exodus. Uh, it says, "Whenever you success, uh, well, let me read the errated text. <laughs> Whenever you cast a creature spell, tap cre- target creature." I say, "Let me read the errated text because the card printed says, "Whenever you successfully cast a creature spell, tap target creature." So, errated doesn't have to be successful. Uh, as soon as you cast the spell, it, this goes on the stack. Your creature could be countered, but your your tapping still happens. If you have a lot of creatures in your red deck, which tends to happen, um, a lot of small creatures, sure, but if you have a lot of creatures, this does wonders, because you'll tap down your opponent and get right through. Um, if you have a lot of 
flash creatures. I guess if you're playing like is it type decks, if you have a lot of flash creatures, you tap a lot of stuff down on other people's turns so they can't attack. Just this card onslaught is particularly nice in multiplayer games. Um, yeah, there'll be plenty of games where you play a spell, where you play a creature that doesn't have haste. So you play the creature, you tap target creature, you can't attack. By the then that person takes their turn, untaps that creature. The net result was you just annoyed them a little, but nothing happened. <laughs> In multiplayer, though, you play a creature. The person who just played before you, you tap one of their creatures. Now they're not. Now they don't have that blocker. For the next for any of yeah for, for the next two players who are going to swing in. Now, admittedly, maybe your guy doesn't have haste, so you can't actually do the damage. But you're creating holes in their defenses to allow other yeah. players to come in. So, like, obviously, you know, token strategies don't work well with this. Um, it's 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 on cast rather than uh, any enter the battlefield, but. Uh, and even if it's not, you know, multiplayer, like if it's just down to, even if it's late game down to one-on-one and they have a board full of stuff, your object isn't to tap all of their things. If you can, great, but it's to start with the biggest things, the worst threats on the board, tap them down, get your infantry through. It's to get as much through as you can rather than to get all of it through like i said if you have enough creatures to play to make sure that everything they have is down wonderful great this card did amazing things if it's just to tap down their biggest stuff um as we were talking about with our with my last card there's dragons you have you have dragons already out you play like a one one or something you tap down their flyers you get through with those dragons um it it does it does wonders um, because you get to you get to choose the fact that you get to choose what gets tapped is it is amazing how many times uh, a player's defenses revolve around a single creature maybe they <laughs> maybe they've got seven creatures on the battlefield but only one of them has reach mm. maybe they've got two flyers but it turns out they need both of them to effectively block. So maybe even then they'll still have one flyer to block your guy, but you know what? On the next turn, now they have none. So you know, th- suddenly they think twice about whether or not they actually want to block your creature, because next time they may need it for a different opponent who has a bigger creature. Yeah. So that's our uh, that's our eight cards for this this week's episode of Temple's Treasures, uh, uh, Red Enchantment Edition. We've, uh, we've got another half season ahead of you that is going to be so sweet. Uh, and we just want to thank you for tuning in for all your support. If you can, head over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a review. It does us wonders. And it lets us know what you like about our show. If you don't, still, thank you so much for listening. We are the Temple of the False Pod. We're our decks aren't optimized but our plays sure as heck are fun i'm andy i'm bruce and uh feel free to reach out to us either on twitter we are 
falsepodmtg uh, or via email at falsepodmtg at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you uh, about some of your favorite red enchantments, uh, whether they are well-known or uh, very secret treasures that we've happened to miss here uh, in this hour-long spectacular. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So thank thank you again for listening. May your fifth land always be the temple. Have a great night. Bye. Hey everyone, Andy here. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Temple of the False Pod. Just a few housekeeping things here at the end of the show. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, pretty much wherever you can find podcasts. Subscribe and give us a review. It really helps out the show. And it'll show us what you like about our podcast. Uh, Also, we've got a Twitter and an Instagram. Our handle is falsepodmtg, all one word. So be sure to follow us. Feel free to reach out to us there or drop us an email at falsepodmtg at gmail.com and tell us your favorite magic-related story. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you again to you. And to Bruce, he's Mana Burned on Twitter, and I'm Andy Weekend on Twitter and Twitch. We're Temple of the False Pod, where our decks aren't optimized, but our plays sure as heck are fun. Have a great night, and may your fifth land be the temple.